Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio with me, your host, Tammy Riley. We are heading to Quinnipiac's campus this week for an episode with graduate occupational therapy student, Ju Yen Lim. Uh, she is a student I've watched grow from freshman year. She has been involved in so many things and I've um, got to watch her uh, put her mark in many places on our campus, but not just from her hard work and her dedication and her leadership, but also with her positivity and her energy. And it's really nice for us to have that energy on our staff. So I'm excited to get to share the self-care conversation that she and I had with all of you. I know you will find her wise beyond her years, and there is always something for all of us to learn from from each other along the way. So I definitely um, am taking a few notes from Ju myself. So sit back, grab a cuppa, and listen in to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. Hello, friends. Welcome to Living Well While Living Online. And I'm having conversation today with one of my favorite students on campus. Uh, she is um, a, a student that I knew over the years because she is literally everywhere, out and about. Um, she is a, I'm going to say this not because size is relevant, but she is a tiny little pint-sized thing, but she is tiny but powerful. She's got this big energy and presence and um, the, over the last year, she started working for me as well. So I've really got to know this student well. It is Ju Yen Lim. Um, we go by Ju. And I'm really excited to invite Ju in. Um, and so Ju, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and welcome. Hi, Tammy. I'm so <laughs> excited to be here. Tammy has definitely seen me grow since I was a little freshman to like my sophomore orientation leader phase to like mm. becoming a tour guide on campus to the grad student of trying to immerse myself in the fitness world. So she has definitely seen me through lots of stages of my college career, but um, a little bit about me. I am in my first year of grad school. I'm completing my master's in occupational therapy at Quinnipiac and I went here for my undergrad. So I graduated May of 2022 and I'm I'm from East Brunswick, New Jersey. I love being from Jersey. That's like a big personality trait of mine. I think Jersey is the best place ever, but I've loved being at Quinnipiac and I was definitely involved um, a lot and I'm still involved. So I'm definitely all over on campus. Oh my gosh, for sure. So, so talk to, because listeners are all ages and from all over. So when we say you're really involved, talk to some of the things, because you did some bigger things, not like... I was in a, you know, art club or, you know, not to diminish that, but you were in like big things. You were involved in big, big things on campus and you still are. So just describe a little about some of the things you've participated in. Yeah, definitely. So like, even when I was like in middle school, I was always that like busy bee. Like I hate just being still and doing nothing. Um, so I've always liked to be involved and in meeting new people. That's definitely one of the biggest things about being involved that just getting to hang out with other people that have similar interests in me, or if they have different interests, learning how to work around that and just learning how to be around people who may have different things and learn from different perspectives. But, you know, in high school, I was really involved in service. I did a lot with, you know, helping around the community. And then in college, I took more of, I think, a leadership approach in the involvement aspect where I really found myself being in 
the capability of becoming a leader and what it means to be a leader and finding that true definition. So I started out by joining a sorority my freshman year, which is crazy because in high school, I never thought I would be in a sorority. I thought that wasn't for me. And four years later, here I am. I became, well, I guess... I'm five years now, but when I was a senior, I have never expected my freshman self to think that I could become the chapter president of my sorority. So I was in Alpha Delta Pi, and I never, ever saw myself in one of the biggest sororities um, nationally. They were the first sorority founded, um, like established, confirmed on like every campus that, okay, 80 Pi is the first sorority. Um, and so that was huge because for me, I, you know, I didn't want to be the stereotypical sorority girl. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. didn't really go with, oh, we have to look the same, do the same things. And then I learned that, especially at Quinnipiac, so much of it is just being involved and in giving back and being with a community of people that have similar interests in you. And so through that, I think that was a really big part of my life because it was a big thing. I started out with the position and then I just, you know, became on executive board. And then all of a sudden I found myself really just wanting to become president as soon as I joined, because I was like, wow, this is something I could really see myself doing. And I think becoming chapter president was one of the bigger roles that I've had in involvement because I've learned to, manage my life but also manage 120 girls and Mm. there's a lot going on in college and yet alone like girls are going through different stages of their life so not only are you the person making sure the chapter is doing what's important getting our x's and o's but also just being a resource to 120 people which was definitely an adjustment and something scary and I think through that that helps me realize that by having the president hat on, I needed, I've needed to help other people, but I also then lacked in helping myself. Mm. And that's something I realized once I stopped, once my term ended of being chapter president. And that was just like, because that was so much of my time, you know, every Sunday we had chapter and, you know, we were constantly doing meetings, calls, events, because while I'm still involved in um, the under- Office of Undergraduate Admissions, I'm a tour guide there. I'm a senior student ambassador. So that means I, you know, help out with a lot of work. I've been working there. <laughs> a lot there. of work. Yes. A lot of work. Yes. Definitely lots of open houses. You'll see me, you know, definitely giving a tour at some point on campus. And I give super loud tours. So you'll definitely find me on campus. But <laughs> I've done that also within my first semester of being a freshman here on campus and I loved it and I've, I'm still involved in it, but being chapter president, that just took so much of that time that, you know, while admissions, you know, I still go, I do all the events. The chapter president part was just almost like an identity at one point. Mm. I love that you started out um, sort of, you know, when we go to college, we have these ideas of what we want and what we don't want. And of course we all come with whatever stereotypical idea that we might have. So the admission that you were like, sorority life is not for me. And lo and behold, you were the president. Um, That is really what college should be about, right? That changing your views and looking at your life in different ways. So it's definitely something that I think it takes people a while and you just jumped right in freshman year, which is 
you know, that's a pretty cool trait to have in general to be that open. Yeah, I think coming to college, one of the biggest things I've learned was just learning how to be open and mm. be willing to take on different new things. Because I've, I think I grew up in a very like closed environment all my life. Um, I've attended Catholic school basically all my life, and it was like the same group of people. I grew up with, around the same community. So coming to college and like learning and seeing different perspectives and views and meeting different people from outside of New Jersey where people don't understand that you don't, we don't pump our gas. We just don't. Um, so it was, it was really interesting when people were like, Oh, you don't know how to pump gas. And I'm like, why would I know how to pump gas? It was really cool. Like living with different people and like seeing what other people do, even if it's like an hour drive away and it's a different state. So much of like that cultural state difference was mm-hmm, like a huge mm-hmm. part. Yeah, that's so true. And as as we laugh about the pumping gas, which I forget that in Jersey, you don't have to do that. The true confession is before Ju and I jumped on the call, she was late because she had to put air in her tires and had to figure out how to do that. So in Jersey, you would have had a person do that for you and you would be all set. Exactly. Like there would always be an attendant around to help you. Like there's just no ifs, ands, or buts. And I literally was on like my knees, it's wet on the floor, it's raining. I didn't know how to do this, but I was scared that if I was popping my tire, you know, you're by yourself, dad can't just come help you. Um, you know, it always takes like that, oh, like, can you help me? Like, you know, no one wants to really be that person. Everyone's busy. And so it took me literally just like 20, 30 minutes figuring out how to do it. And once you figure it out, it's pretty simple. So I came home and I told my roommates, I was like, I feel so independent right now. And it was just like (laughs) something as simple as getting air for your tires. And, you know, it seems like such a simple task. And you know, call your parents and they're like, oh my gosh, it's so easy. Just go do it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like getting frustrated because I was like, oh my gosh, this is supposed to be easy, but it's not. So little things like that, like I've definitely learned to become a lot more independent in college and learning definitely, I think this was the time period where I learned the most about myself and what I am capable of and like my potential in just what I'm able to do with myself or like leadership and involvement. Yeah. And so as you speak directly to that, you've already told us, you know, you were heavily involved in a sorority from day one, ended up being president. You've worked for admissions all four slash now five years, giving tours. You're an OT major, which is also no joke. So there's a lot of work, a lot of studying. You have to stay in the program with certain grades. And so you've, you've done a lot of that. So how during college, let's just look at your undergrad. Did you have a good sense of work-life balance? Like what did you do to keep all those balls in the air? You know, you, you were, I know you because you were everywhere, right? You were the face that I would see everywhere. And I mean that in a great way, right? You were really involved, but is, was there a strategy or are you just, um, I guess, naturally capable of doing many things and staying sane? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely liked to be everywhere. Like I said before, I'm definitely not one to just sit around. I feel like the more time I have to just do nothing, I just like think and overthink. So I always like to keep myself busy. And that's not necessarily the best coping method. But Mm. I think looking back, I definitely 
credit a lot of this to like organization, like having a planner and setting different times and trying to manage it that way, but almost in a way that like I would have every hour of my day booked to the point where I just couldn't figure out what I was doing elsewise. So if it wasn't my schedule, I would like freak out and be like, oh, I can't fit this in. But then you just have to. So then starting like junior, senior year where, you know, school and OT, it's known that junior year OT is the hardest. I realized, Mm -hmm. okay, there's going to be a lot more that I can't fit into my planner and I just have to go with it. So I started depending a lot less on my planner. Like freshman year me had literally every minute, hour, day, like booked what I was eating, where I was eating. And then as I got busier and busier, I was like, I don't even have the time to necessarily sit down and write all these down. Because I didn't even have the time to sit down and write it all down. I just had to do it. And so I kind of adapted to just being able to like go with the flow. And that's not necessarily something I always loved doing. I think I've definitely gotten better at it. But again, it's not my preference. I would still like to think that I'm this write everything down, cross it off my list kind of person. But you know, when life happens, it just happens. And I think with COVID, especially that's where I learned like, you just have to take take it like just run with it and go but I don't think I necessarily had the best time management skills because I think the only reason I was able to do all the things that I did was I just never slept I oh and and it's not good yeah and that's terrible and that I realized like after I started getting less involved in things towards the end of my senior year as you know I had to you know my term ended, my involvement, you know, all the events were done for other things. And I wasn't working as much because I was graduating my undergrad. I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, this is crazy. Like, I actually have so much time to myself. Like, what is it like to get a full normal, maybe six, eight hours of sleep? Because I would on average, maybe if I was lucky sleep about four to five. And like, that's like at most and like, that would have happen maybe once or twice a week so I would spend multiple overnights in the library and I would have to do all the things that I did during the day and I would have Mm -hmm. to focus on school at night and it definitely hit an impact I think with testing and just being present during class so when I started taking more time for myself I was like wow this is kind of nice having to wake up to class and not having to worry that I have to stay up all night and then jump right back into it for an exam right in the morning. So, and the crazy thing is I don't drink coffee. I don't drink energy drinks. I've never had coffee and or energy <laughs> drinks. I feel like once I start, that might not hit me well because I'm so crazy already that who knows if I'll just crash or if I'll just jump off the walls. Like I might be bouncing up and down all day. So I just never want to get into it. Um, and that's just like a personal thing. Cause I'm like, eh, like I made it all throughout college without having a single sip of any of those things. Why well, try now? And I think that's what people are like, wow, like why? And I'm like, I just don't know it. I guess my body is so used to not sleeping that yeah. it's just become a thing, which is definitely not the best <laughs> way to go about it. No, but just to your point, your body, they're, they're incredible. They can adapt to anything. So even when you're depriving them of things they need, you just figure out how to function that way. So, right. That reflection now of how did I do all this when I wasn't getting any sleep? How was I as good at all of these things? How did I pass all of my courses and manage to be a fabulous president and, you know, give amazingly loud and peppy doors, which you do. And 
So now that you're older and wiser and you have more time on your hands, how are you, I guess, feeling now that you are sleeping more or have more time to take care of yourself? I think it's 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 been a huge within just the past year of 2022. It's been a crazy adjustment to really have time for myself. It when I you know my term ended for chapter president, so my spring semester of my senior year and all my activities were dying down. I was like, hmm, I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself. And I was like, maybe I'll like look at how I feel, what I'm doing, and just really go with it. So I started doing more fitness things. I started going to Mm -hmm. the gym more on a regular schedule. I've been trying to plan regularly timed meals because, you know, freshman year, I was great at that. And then all of a sudden, come junior, senior year, I was eating at such sporadic times, and they weren't even real meals. And then, especially then starting living off campus, you don't have a meal plan that you can depend on readily cooked meals. So now you have to plot out time for cooking and then you just start to neglect that. So once I started having the time, I was like, wow, like what can I do for myself? And like, I really had a good month to just reflect. I think a lot of that was just taking time to acknowledge that I wasn't having the proper self-care skills that I needed. And it was crazy because I would always preach, you know, to, whether it be the members, my sorority, my friends be like, oh, you need to take care of yourself. Like you're not getting enough rest, like whatever that is stressing you out, it can wait till tomorrow. Yet to myself, I was like, nope, it, it's got to get done. Like you got to do it. And mm. just the difference of being able to sleep a little bit more, having those red, like steady meals and being able to cut out time for myself to go to the gym. I just found myself to be this less anxious person where I wasn't always thinking, Oh my God, I have to do this. I have to do that. It's like, Oh, like I really just learned how to be in the present and in the moment and enjoying what was happening. And it took a while to understand what it meant to enjoy the present. Like Mm -hmm. I almost felt guilty for doing it. And I think that's like a huge thing that a lot of people, especially like busy college students, we feel guilty about having time to take care of ourselves and having time for ourselves. And so it was a huge adjustment when I was like, okay, you need to understand and accept that that's a necessity and it's not something I should feel guilty for. And I should just, it's normal to have time for yourself. And (laughs) yeah. So once I started sleeping, like I found myself just being able to have more, not so much energy because I feel like I could always have energy. Even when I'm tired, I'm going to for like, that's just who I am in my personality. Yeah, but it definitely shows. I think with like the fitness aspect, or even in school, I recognize that I was able to be more attentive, be more participative during class, take better notes, just engage more with how I was doing on paper, and then especially in the gym, I was I felt like stronger. Like I was able to stay in the gym for longer, do more exercises, put more weight on um the exercise I was doing and I think that's when I started really realizing the importance of like self-care yeah it's crazy how how you kind of summed up what so many of us do and I'm going to say especially women we're caregivers right and so it's you okay ladies take care of yourself make sure you're doing this and make sure you're doing that but then we're the last ones to to listen to our own advice oftentimes. So what I love is that 
you know, well, maybe you pushed yourself a little more than you should have as an undergrad, that even as a grad student, you're still, I'm going to say this lovingly, so young to have that realization now is amazing because you still, like, you didn't even get your actual job yet. You know, you're on that road. And by the time you have the person who hires you and your schedule at a whatever, hospital, clinic, whatever it's going to be, you're just that much better off already, right, with these realizations. And uh, I think the self-care piece will begin to be more natural and, you know, you won't have to even think about it at that stage. And I think that's actually one of, like, the biggest points is that when I hit that moment of realization after, you know, all my activities died down, I was like, if I have all this time and I don't start now, like yeah. I'm not going to have another point in my life again. Cause then right after graduation, I had one week off and then I jumped mm-hmm. right into grad school. We had yeah. field work every day. And I was like, if I don't take this semester and this short amount of time that I have left before I graduate to start focusing on myself and setting these habits and mindset, I would say almost rather than habits of like going to the gym, trying to get more sleep, eating healthier. It's really like, the mindset of accepting that I need to learn how to accept taking care of myself, putting myself first and my health. If I didn't do that, I knew that once I hit grad school, then I jump right into my career. I feel like I would have crashed and burned at one point. And at that point, it's never too late. But I think it was really nice to recognize that early. And I, it has made a huge significant difference in my life in grad school, because now I know the importance of how much I like having just time to like, sit down, light a candle, just listen to music and just simply do nothing. And like, Mm. feel like that's not a waste of time, but feel like, okay, that's a good hour break or like a good thing I can reward myself to before going to bed instead of just shutting my laptop and then going to bed. So I find things like that a necessity. And I feel like if I didn't do that towards the end of my undergrad degree, I would feel a lot more anxious and hectic. And like that would definitely show in my academic career in grad school. And it it is such a universal concept too, when you said you felt guilty for taking time for yourself and many of us do. And I don't know why I think we're getting better. And and we, I've talked about this with many guests, but I think there was definitely that persona that if you're not giving always to others, that you're being selfish and, you know, you you don't have time for yourself. Like, ugh, you know, it is about giving, but, but it's so not right. So without filling your own cup, or I just love lighting a candle and listening to music, which, you know, the art of doing nothing is gone. Nobody, nobody does that anymore. You know, so it's so important for us to get rid of the guilt, you know, shed the guilt that we feel about doing what we know we need to do to make ourselves better teachers or, OTs or students or whatever it is that we have to be in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I I think it's so great that now everyone's, you know, promoting even on Instagram whether it's just a post or you know, you'll see it or people will preach like, "Hey, just make sure you're putting yourself first, take care of yourself." Mm-hmm. And I think even growing up like through the ages of like middle school, it was always seen as, you know, if you posted something that was like oh, take care of your mental health or something. It was looked down upon. It was like, oh, that clearly shows you're struggling versus now you're like, hey, like everyone should be doing this. Even if you're Mm -hmm. at a great spot, just check in with yourself because, you know, it's always nice to be 
present. And I think that was like a huge part where I really had to get over the stigma that doing nothing is not being lazy. Like Mm -hmm. that's good. Like it's okay to light the candle and just relax. (laughs) And I've never, I've even like literally in high school, I would come home. Like I went to school that was 40 minutes away. So every day, just even the driving multiple times back and forth, I felt like, okay, I'll sleep in the car and then I get home and I have to eat dinner super late. Like sometimes I wouldn't get home until 10 PM. And as like a high schooler, I was like, okay, now I have to do all my homework and study and then go to bed and then wake up 6am, drive to school, do eight hours of straight school. And I think about it, I'm like, how did I do that? And I was always just always on the go, go, go. And so when I like had this time, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is really weird for me. Like that it took 22 years of my life for me to realize that it feels so good to just do nothing, (laughs) but also that it's not bad and that it's not lazy and that there is meaning behind it. Mm. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Do do you think that um, like in your friend group of people that you surround yourself with, were you with a lot of people as an undergrad that were like you, that track? Um, I know a lot of your OT cohort, you are definitely really driven, focused people. So did you notice that in your friend group as well? And are you all a little bit better now that you're grads or how does that work with the people you are around as well? I think definitely in grad school, there's a mindset where, especially in the OT program, we it's a four years undergrad and then a year and a half of grad school. But at this point, you know, you survived that junior year OT that is so scary, essentially, because that's where like you start really getting into what is OT and what we really do in practice. And so knowing that we survived that, got our degree, you know, we have these letters that we could put after our name, knowing that, okay, since we did that and survived it, we can also get through grad school. And I think the difference between grad school is that a lot of us aren't as involved anymore. And Mm -hmm. I've always been surrounded by people that were always involved in clubs, had multiple leadership positions, were also working jobs. So I was definitely surrounded by people who were similar to me where we were always busy and on the go. Um, And we all often struggled with not having that enough sleep or having time to just sit down and like enjoy and relax by ourselves because we were either always doing something for other people or doing something with other people. Right. And now that we're in grad school, I think now that we don't have all those extracurriculars or that pressure to, you know, socialize as often as we did in undergrad, because in undergrad, you know, everyone was like, oh, we have this going on, this going on. I'm like, there's six different friend groups that you have. Whereas in grad school, you really just are focused on graduating your academics and I think yourself. Um, that in grad school, it's more of like, rather than trying to just graduate academically, it's difficult because now you're, it's a different transition period where you're just trying to focus mentally. How can I survive this extra school year when I know I just want to be done? Mm. Like, how can I get through that push? And I think, so every year is a challenge, like junior year, it's challenging because it's a lot more different and difficult content. Senior year, it's difficult because, you know, you just want, you know, everyone's doing something it's senior year you have all these exciting things and it's like senioritis and it's a lot more assignment based than content 
but then it's like grad school, okay, it's not not that it's necessarily more or difficult content, you know, you're just applying it. But now it's that pressure of mentally, how do I transition myself to a little bit more of adulthood, you know, you're starting to take out loans under your own name, you may be doing your own (laughs) tires, it's, it's another year (laughs) where you're learning how to become a fully functioning adult. And then you have to start thinking about jobs and placements and all these things. So I think it's grad school for me has been more of a mental game. And I think that's where a lot of me and my peers have found ourselves in that, you know, we don't have that pressure of all those extracurricular activities and all these leadership positions. But it's definitely more of like, okay, now how do I like tackle life? But also like myself, like you're like fighting yourself almost. It's so true when, um, for a lot of the students at Quinnipiac in particular, but so many students now that you're going right from undergrad into a graduate program. And I, I thought it was interesting that you said, you know, that you have to focus mentally because you are, you want to be done. So it's like you graduate, you have this degree. And while other people are off and starting their lives, you're like, like you said, a week later, you're back in school. And in your mind though, you're like, I'm ready to be done. Oh shoot. How am I going to stick with this for another year and a half? So that is really tricky. I think that's really tricky because you are ready to, to jump right in like many of the other people that you were around and yet you are still a student. Yeah. And I think it's, almost like also difficult because it's your friends are all at such different points of their lives that how can you manage like not I think almost like a big part for me was like FOMO fear of missing out that's Mm -hmm, like I have mm -hmm. FOMO on the daily I always want to be (laughs) surrounded by people making sure that I'm keeping up because that's that personality where I have to be around and have to be doing everything and so for me a, a big part was also my home friends, like I said before, Jersey, I love it. It's my like personality trait. And a lot of my home <laughs> friends I've grown up with forever. So like we've graduated middle school, high school together. So seeing them all be together at home, because not a lot of them pursued a graduate career, but you know, they're already working in hospitals, have these big jobs, have these huge salaries and are starting to do these things where they're talking about paying for their own car insurance and all these things where I almost feel like it's like a relief. I'm like, I'm really excited that I have this extra year where I don't have to think about those responsibilities, but it's also like, wow, they get to do all these things now and they can relate on that level where I can't really relate about having that nine to five job because I'm still in school and it's it's like, okay, I have FOMO, but I have to kind of get over (laughs) that we're all at different stages of our life. Um, one of the things that I've always loved and admired about you before I even got to really know you is you were the student I would always see and you were, you always had the biggest smile on your face. You are always so positive and always had just, just like really this energy of positivity rating, radiating out of you, no matter where I saw you or what you were doing. And so is that naturally who you are? Is that something you strive to do? You know, do you think about it? Do you even realize? Because you really are. And I, it's interesting now having uh, got to watch you teach your first class, the first one that I got to see, and how you translate that into 
what you do on the bike when you're teaching a class, which was amazing. And it was so positive and so upbeat. And so, you know, to me, it's like, like part of your DNA, like Jersey, it's part of who you are, but I don't know if you think of it that way or if you work at it and are intentional or if it's just you. I, I think that it's probably like just me. Cause I don't even realize it. Like and I, I always try to be optimistic. Like my grandparents were always so positive and like loving. And I definitely had that support system growing up from both my parents, but like, especially like grandparents, they're the best people. Um, if you're fortunate enough to have like the grandparents that I did where they only surrounded you with like love and like you could do no wrong in their eyes. And then <laughs> the parents are, you know, my mom and my dad, especially my mom has to be the bad guy at one point and like putting down <laughs> discipline, but it's like that forcing that, Hey, like just be positive. Like you can get through it. And I think that definitely translated to who I am today and just being mm-hmm. that positive person. So I think at this point, it's just become a, like a personality. Like it's genuinely who I am. I don't really like think about like if I'm smiling or not. And a lot of people be like, wow, you don't even seem tired. You're running on like two hours of sleep. Like, how do you yeah. do it? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't really know how I do it. I just, I guess I, I just do it. And I don't know how, but I get through it. Happens. Yeah. It's just really refreshing to see someone and it's, it doesn't see, you know, it's, it seems very natural. So I don't mean also that it's over the top, but it's really refreshing because, you know, we have all, especially college students been through a lot. There's been a lot of reasons to not be excited on campus, wearing a mask or not getting to go into friends' dorms and not having activities that you wanted to have. And, you know, you, you lived through that and, and yet, you know, still being able to just be a positive person in in the, the path of somebody else along the way. And um, I think that's really special. Aw, thank you. I mean, <laughs> I think a big part, I mean, obviously, like, there's a, you know, and one of my things that my best friends always say is that they're like, you have such a good mask on because if you're upset, like, no one would know. And that's, like, not necessarily a good thing. And that's something right. I, again, realized my senior year when I was like, wow, like, maybe it's not bad to talk to someone, like, there's a lot that happens and you can't always be that happy person that Mm -hmm. everyone expects you to be. But somehow like without even me noticing, I just always like, because I, it's not like something I intentionally try to do. They're like, no one picks up on it because I don't even pick up on the fact that when I'm upset, I don't know. It just happens. And I'm like, Oh, well got to keep going. And I keep smiling through it. And I think it's just really important to know that like some senior year, I realized like, wow, it's okay to like not be okay sometimes. And like Mm. life happens and I try to be that positive light. But I think that's when I started realizing like once I took off my like chapter president hat that I was like, okay, now I don't have to be this person for 120 plus people. Like I just have to show up and be there for myself. So How can I do that if I'm constantly being optimistic for others? Like, how can I put that into my own life? And that's, like, a big, like, struggle. Not so much a struggle, but something, like, I had to work towards developing for myself. Because I was, like, you know, that mask is, like, not always the most healthiest thing. Yeah. I mean, it is so easy in that role and all the roles that you had on campus to not want to let somebody see that you might be unhappy or be struggling that day. 
and you obviously had good enough skills that you could still move through all of that, right? Because otherwise you would have ended up a crumpled mess somewhere. Um, but it's good when you were finally able to take off the mask or even the hats to have that realization. So were you able to ask for help in some way, shape or form? Like, is it with a family member or friends or, you know, obviously on, on campus, we have counseling and resources. So were you able to ask for help in a way that was good or were you just able to do it for yourself, I guess? I think I definitely wouldn't have been able to reach out for the help if I didn't just So basically how it happened was like, there just became a point where, you know, it's like, you could be fine. And then the littlest thing triggers you and then you just Mm -hmm. break because you've been holding Mm -hmm. it in for so long. And I am, I'm so fortunate that I have like, my bestest friends and one of my best friends. Um, she's an incredible student, amazing nurse now. And she was my roommate. And she was also the vice president of my sorority. So she's seen and she's also had very similar hats on as I did and was very involved otherwise. And she also was often that person that was there for everyone else. And she's that person that I consider that everyone goes to when they need help. And so when I like broke down, in that moment, because I was like, oh, it was so, I don't even know what it was. It was probably like so insignificant. Like, again, like probably like my air in my tire broke or something. And (laughs) that's when, you know, she sat me down and was like, listen, like, just pause. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned all throughout college and that I actually like have that I'm looking at right now in my room is this little thing. And she got me this bracelet that said, it's like a pause symbol. Um, Mm. And it's the power of pause, just like, breathing taking that moment before you just like I know a lot of people like use the term trauma dump or you just rant and you just have to go on and on and on before you even get to that point just like you know you can cry it out but then take a moment for yourself take a step back and realize okay what's actually going on here okay maybe it's not as significant as you thought or okay it might be this big thing but you're going to get through it And then reach out, like talk to someone else about it. And if you don't want to talk to someone else about it, think about maybe how you're going to get through it by yourself. And then maybe you'll realize that it's not always the worst thing to just let someone know that, hey, this is what's going on. What do you think about it? Or, oh, like, you know. So I think the power of pause, that's something that really helped me, that she really helped teach me. Um. And she gave me this cute little bracelet and it came with this nice memo. But like, I think pause is so important where, you know, life, there's always something going on. And that's not something I would have recognized like by myself. I think it's, Mm. even though you tell someone else that, hey, like it's always easier said than done, but to have Mm. someone else really just address it to you, I think that's all it took. Yeah. I I mean, I love that. First of all, that she sat you down and helped you with that and gave you reminders. And that's really what you look at and carry with you every day. Like that's really sweet and, and also so important. And, you know, the, the pause, the idea of the pause is so important for so many reasons, but what I, when I like, when I'm explaining it to people, the pause is often just creating space 
right? It's just an opportunity to create a little space between whatever is happening. It, it could even be during good things where you're so overwhelmed in a good way, right? Like whatever the emotion is, is so strong or whatever you're seeing. And so being able to put some space in between it so you can get some perspective and maybe I'm not going to say react, like sometimes reactions is just a reaction. It's how we feel, but maybe just being a little more clear headed or to your point, being a little more present when we step back into it. So it's, it's really so powerful. So I love that whole concept, the power of the pause. I I really do um, think that's great. Yeah. And something like else that came upon her, like her and I like talking about whether it was, it was, you know, something that happened in school, our personal lives, or, you know, within our sorority, if like, there was something that we weren't expecting, like, also Mm -hmm. with COVID, like, no one could have expected COVID. (laughs) And I think little things like things like that with life that just happens, I think, a phrase that we kind of developed together after, you know, we really helped each other recognize the importance of the power of pause, is that in life, remember to respond, not react. Because Mm. I think when we all hear, and I think that goes hand in hand with the power of pause, that when something bad happens, a lot of us, like our first initial reaction is to react and think about like 6,000 different things, or we immediately think of all these bad scenarios that could happen as a result. And I think especially with the unknown, like COVID, the thing, there's nothing you can do besides think about all those bad things. But instead of wasting your energy on the what ifs, just respond to what you do know, the answers, and just wait on, okay, this is the fact, this is what's happening. You respond to the situation rather than reacting and think about, hey, this so many things can happen. And I think that's, we realize, hey, that's like almost a waste of time. Let's just be again, that being present. And I think it's really easier said than done, just being in that moment and like thinking, what can we do right now instead of, okay, but there's 6,000 other things that need to be done or this that could happen. So yeah, definitely like learning that phrase and like incorporating that into my daily life, daily life, like responding rather than reacting has been one of like a huge like life lesson. I think I learned last year when I was just taking time to learn about myself. Yeah, that's big. I really like that. You were very um, profound together, the two of you. That's really, that's good. As I hear you say all this too, I can't help but think how it will impact you as an OT, right? When you have situations in front of you and, you know, the difference between responding and reacting, whether it's an emergency or dealing with a client that, you know, maybe isn't emotionally stable or treating you the right way or having their own issues, right? This is to, to me to hear you say that, like the things you're living through, the tools that you're putting in your toolbox for yourself are the things that are going to make you an incredible OT because you have that to share and that perspective. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, th- again, like, thank God I found these things in myself and learned these things about myself the time I did before I graduated because when I graduated and then I had that week off and then I jumped right into field work, I was placed at a behavioral health hospital where I saw so many different things. And I was often working with people who weren't always, you know, their baseline. Some You can Mm. go in and you had no idea what you're expecting. And that's when that whole – 
responding versus reacting really came into play. And I was like, not only can I apply this to my own personal life, but in practice as a future occupational therapist that especially with clients in a behavioral health hospital, they pick up on things where if you respond in a poor way, they're going to know because they're going to say, oh, her initial reaction is that she has no idea what she's doing. She's scared of me. She doesn't know what's going on. She's scared Mm -hmm. of what's going to happen. And then they will take that to their advantage and use that to do all the, you know, do different things and you need to respond rather than react because that reaction, that initial reaction is so important. So I think you have to pause and say, okay, this wasn't what I was expecting today, but you just have to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. That's really so important. And to jump right in with behavioral health, which, you know, is not easy. I mean, any, anyone who's seeking the care of, you know, a therapist of any kind, right? You're usually treat, you know, treating something, hoping to fix something, rehabbing from something. So um, super, super important. Yeah. So as a clinician, right, so important to learn those skill sets um, as you want to move forward and really be able to best serve the clients that you have. So I, I love, right, all of the life lessons that we learn ourselves are then just things that we impart on all the other people that we get to encounter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it I think learning about yourself is one of those like hardest things because it's easier to just take advice from other people, but no one wants to take time to just sit down and be like, what am I good at? Because I think I remember I was talking to someone and she was like, what do you think are like my biggest accomplishments? And I'm like, well, you've done so much. And she's like, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think so. I I can't remember. And I think it's because a lot of times we all don't give ourselves enough credit. And that's that's a huge part about like learning about yourself, just like being proud of like the things you've done, but then also like taking time to recognize that there are parts of us that we don't necessarily like, but we might not acknowledge it or we might acknowledge it too much. So definitely like finding that fine balance of like, where am I? What am I doing? Where am I at? And like, how can I become better? Mm, And that's, so you're, everything you're talking about right now, I think is going to fit under my last question that I typically end uh, all of my conversations with my guests with. And it's, um, you know, being a friend is something many of us work hard at, right? And we, you've already alluded to a few of the beautiful friendships that you have and how important they are. So when you think about the idea of being a friend um, and being a best friend, are you good at being your own best friend? I think if I'm being completely honest, because I think I can consider myself so lucky because I have so many great best friends, my roommates, um, and I would like to say that I am a friend to many. I, but I think that's a tricky question because I don't know if I have been a very good best friend to myself. Mm. A lot of times, I'll, I definitely won't listen to my body myself um, where I know if I need more rest or sleep. Sometimes even now, I, I'll just be like, nope, like you don't deserve that. Like, nope, you don't deserve to do this or that because you didn't finish this or that. And I don't think I, I think it's just easier to be a friend to everyone else. But again, it's 
that following your own advice and being your own friend is a huge task. And I think one of the things that helped me last year that started to help me really just take time for myself was becoming a spinning instructor. Because I think for the first time in my life, that was an extracurricular event, an activity that I did for myself. I did it Mm. because I wanted to become better in, you know, even when I did sports in high school or middle school, I did it because I was, you know, a part of a team. I, well, yeah, I was doing it because I loved the activity and the sport and I loved hanging out with my friends, but it was never something that I did where I felt home. And I was like, yeah, I know that like at the end of the night, like that is making me stronger, better, and like mentally just overall it just feels good like I never ever because you know in sports you can lose a game and that can affect you or you know sometimes like when you're involved in a leadership position whether it's being chapter president or being a tour guide you're not always going to have everything fall in place and even with spin sometimes if my mic doesn't work or something (laughs) happens with the bike or the lights not working (laughs) even then that's the one thing that I know that I can end the class and still be like I showed up I did it and I know that I feel better physically and mentally because you know even little things like even if the mic wasn't working I still did the class and you just still have to do it and I still had fun doing it and that was like a huge step of like being a friend to myself because I was like good for you like you should be able to do an activity just for yourself Right. And I, we, and when, when we were doing this and talking about this at the end of the year last year, you had a lot going on, but you were like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But it was like down to the wire, pushing you to the finish line to make it happen. And you did it. And, um, and then, yeah. So it's been really nice to have you on our team. Your energy has definitely been a great addition for us. Well, thank you for having me, but yeah, definitely. Like I've always known, like, everyone's always like, you're so peppy, you know, you (laughs) seem really athletic, like, why don't you become a fitness instructor, all these things, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that seems so fun, I would love to do it, but I just never had the time and never got around to doing it, and while it was always one of those things I've wanted to do coming in as a freshman, I was just like, okay, well, like, I put it on the back burner for so long, where, like, every time I would see Tammy, I just said, remember, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to become an instructor because I knew that if I didn't do it then, there just wouldn't be another time where I felt like it was like, not that it's now or never because there's always time to find time for yourself and get involved and start your fitness journey or just taking care of yourself. Like there is always time for that. But in that moment, I knew that that was a very good time for me to be a friend to myself. And if I didn't start when I did, I don't know where I would be now. Cause there are times mm. now where I'm like, I could definitely be a nicer friend to myself, <laughs> but spinning really does get me on that track to just taking care of myself and yeah. being a little nicer to myself. And, and being a better role model, like really talking the talk, right. Being up there. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You, You had said, uh, what was I going to say? You had said that, and when your first initial statement, when you're um, talking, some of the self-talk was, you don't deserve it, 
or you don't, right? And I think that's such a common thought that many of us have. And I don't know where that comes from. Why we'd, we, we would think that we're not worthy of whatever, of time, of love, of, you know, self-care, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it is a common thing we say to ourselves. And it is not something any of us would ever say. You would never look at that best friend and be like, oh, you don't deserve this. You would ever. So I, you know, as you say it, it's just that reminder of how many of us have that same internal dialogue. And I wish I knew where it came from because it's, that's not, it's not good for us to do that. No, absolutely. And I think, and that's something that I like, again, realized like senior year also, it's like in an OT perspective, you tell your clients, and your patients constantly, especially in like a mental health sense where, hey, like you got this, you can do this. No, like, mm-hmm. don't think that about yourself. And it's so easy to say it to someone else, but it's so much harder to listen to it. And it makes me think like, why is it so hard? Like, why don't we just do it? And we just can't. It's, sometimes you're just like, no, I think. And everyone says, I know it's like, there's the phrase, like you are your own, um, if you are your harshest if you are yourself harshest yes, critic, your own worst critic or whatever. Yes, yeah. Yes. yes. You're your own yeah. worst critic. And I was yeah. like, wow, like that's so true. And I, it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And I think yeah. the more you just like affirmations, I'm a huge like affirmations person. Like every morning I will always recite the same phrase and be like, yep, I got this, you know, it's another day. And I woke up and that's a great start. You make your bed. And I'm like, oh, I did something. I can go on with the rest of my day. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Affirmations are huge. Yeah. I, I Again, there is no answer to that question. You know why? I, I, I think we just have to now be a little more present with that, right? As we hear it to your point, as you've been talking about, you know, being present, being in the moment and, and the pause and maybe in the moment when the phrase pops in of you don't deserve this or you, or it starts to, we pause and um, we figure out how to how to push it aside for, for a little longer. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely (laughs) 100% agree with that. Well, Chu, I really have loved having this conversation with you. I wanted to get to spend time with you. That's so selfishly with these podcasts. It's really fun for me to get to know people on a, on a much deeper level, right? We get to have these little interactions, but we've never had, this kind of a conversation. So thank you for being willing to come aboard and do this with me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being a great mentor. And really, like, if anyone's listening, like, talk to Tammy, she will change your life. Um, she will just, if you are having an absolute, like, crazy day where you're like, oh, my God, talk to Tammy, because she'll tell you about her fitness journey and it's like honestly so admirable and I know like one day like I'm like yeah I want to where's my inner Tammy on my like shoulder (laughs) Tammy's a great cheerleader to have so I had so much fun being on this so thank you so much for having me just always being that person for everyone well you know I really enjoy working with you all and so uh it's very rewarding right and so it's good when you get to do what you're passionate about which you are on the track for as well when you get that official letters after your name and you have your first real job yeah you'll be you'll be doing what you are passionate about and people will be saying the same about you how you change their lives with all of the things that you were able to help them with so I hope so it will be I promise Thanks again, Jill.
sending big hugs to Ju for her time. I know, as we heard, she is a busy young woman, but I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to share her with all of you. She just has so much positivity and energy and yeah, I'm just really, (laughs) I'm really glad that you all got to hear that. I think she's going to go on to do some really amazing things and have some positive um, impacts on all of the clients that she gets to work with in her professional career. So thanks again, Ju. Um, And to all of you listeners, I do appreciate you tuning in each week. I'm really looking forward to bringing my friend Sarah Shears to you next week. And um, Sarah is in the fitness world. We met at a conference and instantly connected. My heart spoke to her heart. Uh, She is mind, body through and through. And I really enjoy every conversation I have with her. We, We really are so connected in a lot of our philosophies and how we think. So Um, really refreshing to get to speak with my kindred spirit. And also I'm looking forward to sharing her with all of you. So please tune in to next week's episode of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. And thanks to the team, to David DeRoche, the executive producer, big hugs to Renette Chafu, the producer, and thank you to Scott Holmes for the theme music. You can find this podcast and more on the platform or app of your choice. You can feel free to drop us a line at qupodcasts at qu.edu. And please follow us on Instagram at qupodcasts. So until next week, my friends, please be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend.